You're listening to the Pain and Goddess podcast with Jennifer Hrishu, episode number 37. Hello, witches. So nice to have you here. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Jennifer Hrishu. I'm the founder of Pain and Goddess and the host of this podcast. Pain and Goddess is a container for magic and healing. As I like to say, I use tools like astrology and tarot, uh, as well as teach others to use tools like astrology and hopefully, or I mean, um, tarot and hopefully astrology at some point. Um, I also use, you know, mythology and symbols quite literally all the time in my own life. And that there's a deepening of that that's coming through as I start to mature in my astrological studies. I feel like I'm going to be forever a student of tarot and astrology. One of the reasons that I chose to teach tarot was because I'd finally come to a point where I understood my own needs for intuition to lead the process and I understood the system enough to teach the system and um, if you haven't um, heard of my tarot collective class it's an eight-week online course and I teach it a few times a year this year was the first time um, I taught it I taught it twice this year and we just finished up a couple of weeks ago So I'm excited to start a fresh new year with another group of students. But once you're part of the collective, you're part of the collective. So one thing that I started doing in the second session that I ran this year was inviting everyone that had ever taken this course, the first session and this second session, to the lives. Now, I hope that that continues to cultivate people wanting to come in and re- um, revisit their studies, revisit the their work with the tarot, and I figure that people will pop in and out. Just like anything, sometimes when we use tools for intuition, it can become like, I don't want to use the word crutch, but I think that it becomes a little too intense. Like, you don't need any of these quote tools to be magic, to have intuition. You don't need any of it. You know, the 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 consumerist culture that we're all raised in and gets us thinking like, oh, I need all these beautiful things and I want 70 billion tarot decks and well, that's fucking nice. Like, and I love all the tarot decks and all the creation that's coming through because so many people are interested in um, tools for magic. It's like, it's like there is enough within you to be your own divining rod, okay? But that being said... Um, where was I going? Just to say that I guess like now having taught tarot and then like using tarot so much to read for other people, like I use tarot a lot in in everything. I'm I'm touching my cards daily, and some days, you know what? I need a vacation. Just like you know, if no matter what work we do, we need time away in order to you know kind of withdraw from the norm, right? And to um, Re, revisit like what it's like to not have that kind of be the influence be the lens whatever what have you so I'm hoping that as um, 
if you're a student of mine or, or if you're not and you're a thought, thought, thought that you might become a student, you know, that you pop in and out of the collective, that we have a Facebook group um, that's growing as well, and that there just be some kind of, you know, anchor that you get to have there in that space. That's my thought, my hope, my dream. And we'll see how it goes. You know, I don't get to control all of this. This is all just thoughts and feelings and manifesting ideas. And then, you know, I release it and it kind of becomes a life of its own, right? Like this is what we do with our creations. So I'm going to start the next Tarot Collective session on the 20th of January. And it's a Monday. Classes drop on Mondays. It's a video. Um, each week there's about one to two hours of video classes mostly it's about an hour and um, then there's a workbook that goes along with that there are six weeks worth of content um, I did add an extra week of content it's kind of a fun little piece um, for integration and um and it's just, it's, I, I, I have it outlined on my website at paintagoddess.com slash classes. If you want to go check it out, it's $300 for the class. It's a super great value. You get access to this content forever. I take payment plans if you need. You do have to be paid all up by January 20th by the time we do class, uh, but by the time the first class goes out. Um, so if there's restrictions that you have based on financial stuff, I want to work with you, you know, but of course I, I, you know, have to respect myself and get equal exchange for the work. And so the other component, which makes this class really valuable is I don't just throw you in and send you emails every week with pre-recorded content, which is, um, you know, also, I mean, a huge value to be honest, like that's $300. Um, but I also host live classes every week during the session. Um, there are a couple weeks that are optional. I, I promise six lives during the eight weeks and I usually have done seven. One. Yep. I think I did seven both times and, um, you know, that's a time for us all to connect. That's the toughest part for me is that I don't get to control when people's schedules are this last session. Like nobody could really meet consistently at the same time. Um, like nobody could really meet together at the same time. And so I shifted it a couple of times just so more people could be part of it. And a couple of the sessions I did in the evening, which of course I don't normally work at night, but um, I wanted to make it so that people could come and be part of the collective and be in the class and feel how that feels. So, you know, and as the content grows, each live is put into the Facebook group. You can watch past lives <laughs> of the weekly live Q&As and see what people were talking about, see what other cards people drew, how they interpreted them and, and everything. So it's a really cool class. Um, there's tons of, uh, there's a growing review bank, I guess I should say. And um, I'm going to be updating some stuff uh, soon as well and start promoting. But if you want to get in, and I already have two students, um, which I'm super excited to already have a couple people um, that are in. I feel like I would love to call in at least 10 and um, and really get a good group in. And the more students, of course, 
the more it feels like there be a larger amount of people able to make the lives and it really becomes a collective, right? And so um, if you've been thinking about this but aren't sure the timing's right, um, like I said, classes drop on Mondays. We do usually the lives on Wednesdays. <clears throat> that may shift. I might end up doing the lives on another day this time. Um, but it will probably be a couple different. I'll vary it so that people can come if they just consistently won't be able to come during the day. I'll do some during the day. Anyways, um, I've just decided that being a little flexible on that and um, posting each week and kind of seeing where all the students are once they come in, like how their schedules are, works better than you know deciding ahead of time in terms of when I will be able to do those lives. So because I could be a little bit flexible. Anyways, there's that. If you guys want in, I would love to have you in. And if you um, know of others who might want to learn to read tarot, um, it's for everyone. It's for people who want to do self-practice and self-study. Um, self-coaching with tarot is fantastic work. And, you know, that's really, you know, um, where this course is going in a lot of ways, I'm going to be creating some more materials every session. Um, I'm going to be adding more content. So, and you'll have access to that forever. Um, I'm about to drop a little bit on creating altars and ritual to do with um, reading tarot. So, you know, I really do um, enjoy having, having y'all in and seeing how it works through you. If you're um, a professional reader or want to become a professional reader, I don't certify. And, um, you know, I was told by somebody, it was like, oh, you should certify people because then they have this piece of paper. And I'm like, you know, I'm no authority. I don't believe in authority. <laughs> and um, it's actually what this whole episode is about. <laughs> power from within and sovereignty and what I celebrate as a witch. Um, and I'll get into that in a bit. But it's like, I don't believe in authority that can credential anyone to use intuitive tools like this. Um, I do believe there is best, best practices and that um, the the value from being um, a, you know, in a course, and I, you know, I've gotten so much from being in courses of material I already knew in some way, but because being in, um, being in a group with others and learning something together creates a bond that cannot be matched um, elsewhere, in my opinion. And when you also choose a mentor, you choose a teacher, somebody who can guide you and will take you on a journey, you will um, discover something about yourself in that process. And I believe that the right teachers come to us at the right time when we're ready to learn something that they have to offer. And it may not even be what they're trying to teach us, by the way. <laughs> but um, so that's an interesting whole other story. But yeah, I don't credential anybody. But I do believe that if you took my class that at the end of it and you and you really um, applied it and you did the work and you did the workbooks and you touched the cards as much as I recommend touching them and you work with the cards, to, you know, in the way that I recommend practicing, that you will have the confidence to become a professional reader if you so choose. Um, and my intention is also to add some some business tips and tricks 
to this course eventually. Um, it does not exist right now, although as my student, you know, I am around, <laughs> I'm available, I'm textable. And so, you know, if you have specific questions and you're somebody who's doing that and um, would like any kind of guidance in that, you know, there's parts that we can work on that with. One of the other cool things housekeeping wise that I'm considering, I'm looking at the entirety of 2020 and trying to figure out what kind of offerings to really do. And one of the things is I am going to be for sure ratcheting down the amount of clients that I take and um, those offerings will be more expensive. And that's for a couple of reasons. One of them is that I really want to work with people who are ready to do some work. And I am cre I'm, I'm looking at creating some readings um, paired with ritual work um, that, it, you know, that will activate, you know, the moon cycle awareness work and all this stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of like ruminating on some different kinds of products and um, yeah, I'm waiting because, you know, the structure hasn't exactly hit me yet. And um, I know that it's coming. I can feel myself getting ready. And I, I know that the inner changes before the outer, right? Like <clears throat> Jupiter and Sagittarius has been really for me about the inner. It's been um, teaching me the internal process of how to, um, how to kind of learn and teach and expand my own self-awareness into uh, being someone who has like like has like um let's see how can I really I had imposter syndrome before this year absolutely and struggled a lot with who am I to do this who am I to do this and now when I ask that question, who am I to do this? Like my internal voice says, you know who you fucking are. <laughs> and um, this is my hope for everyone. Like because because and, and you know, I, I, I there's still something within me that wants to like reserve the right to have, you know, moments of of. Um, of like self-sabotage and like where I'm not very confident. But I have to say over the last year, I have not really um, had that come up a ton at all to even combat. And I think Sagittarius in uh, Jupiter and Sagittarius really helped me um, to see the kind of consummation I'm capable of, like the kind of, um, you know, um, ground that I can cover when when given kind of free reign you know this year was the first year I really made my own schedule made my own deadlines made my own goals and yeah it was kind of a slow start and to be honest I think you know I needed a little more rumination time than I anticipated um, to kind of deprogram myself from corporate America it takes a lot I don't think I'm quite done with that deprogramming um but some of it had helped me a lot. The functions of um, scheduling and, you know, meetings with myself. And you should see my planner for this year. I mean, I booked myself everything from um, time with my husband and my kids to uh, 
time with my website, to time with my taxes, to uh, moon circle, uh, you know, uh, preparation time, to grocery shopping, to book, you know, and towards the middle of the year, I booked out with like empty squares in my book booking times, like times when I could take readings. And when people ask me for a reading, I would say, oh, my next time is this. Does that work for you? I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I got one. I got time. I'll make some time right now. It's like, no, that stopped happening in June. And I and I started scheduling, like looking at my week, looking at my, you know, my energy levels, looking at my other commitments and I started booking times saying, this is how many times spots I had. That's why when I opened up the Jupiter books, uh, the Jupiter year ahead reading books, I was like, this is how many I have. And I and then, you know, I, I got a couple of other gigs kind of hammered down. I did. Um, I'm starting. I started the um, the horoscopes gig for the Magical Earth subscription box. And I also started doing some marketing consultancy and um, which I'm super excited about. It's not really in the realm, but it is in the realm and uh, super excited about it. And I'm like, yeah, so I'm going to take a couple of these spots out. And I did. And, um, you know, it's like I am so proud of the boundaries that I've held. And I want to invite you to consider your energy, you know, one of the things that Jupiter in Capricorn will show us very, um, very well, and um, I'm going to share something actually, is what our boundaries are, what our boundaries need to be, the limitations of it. And it's like, so, so Jupiter wants to expand the vision. It wants to create, it stretches us. It wants us to push ourselves. And yet in Capricorn, Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, which is the opposite of that. It's about restriction and about restraint and efficiency, right? Chani Nicholas, one of my, well, she is my favorite astrologer. She did a, a piece for Oprah, um, I believe Oprah Magazine, but it might just be on on their, her website as well. But um and I, I get Chani's um, astrological stuff in my inbox. In fact, I have in my inbox right now the work for the new moon in Sagittarius and um, the full moon in Gemini. And I'm going to be going through that um, as well this week because I did not have time to do it before the new moon. And which, by the way, I just want to say uh, new moon time is waxing moon time. Like, yes, I did new moon work, um, but... Don't worry if your practice isn't perfect, okay? All right, that's why we call it practice. Okay, so this is what Chani Nicholas says about um, Jupiter moving into Capricorn. So um, <laughs> what we know for sure is what that whatever is already present in the area of your life that Jupiter will be impacting, it will get amplified. If it's a lack of structure, Jupiter will make that abundantly clear. If it's a lack of self-confidence, Jupiter might lend you a little pep. But this planet's main aim will be to bring awareness to what needs to be developed by you. Jupiter adds fertilizer to whatever is present, making this a potent time to be intentional about all that you wish to grow. But more importantly, perhaps, the structures needed in order for you to do so. Jupiter's change of sign is a major moment for any planets we have in Capricorn and the area of our chart that contains this sign. 
but these cliffs are already crowded. So she goes on to talk about Capricorn and how it continues to be the home for all these different, uh, you know, astrological setups. Like all these planets are already in Capricorn and they've been working really hard. Pluto's already there making transformations and kind of like they're like the rototiller. It's like coming through and, and tilling up the ground. It's digging down. It's digging the cellar foundation, right? Pluto's like, let's transform this city into farmland or whatever is happening, right? And so Pluto's like, everything must go, <laughs> you know? And, and Jupiter's like going to be on board with that. It's like, yeah, yeah, let's fucking, let's do it. And, um, and Saturn is there as well. Saturn's been in Capricorn for about a year and a half now, and it'll be there for another year and a half. And it's like, you know, or I'm sorry, it'll be there for another year. Both Saturn and Jupiter move out of Capricorn um, next December in 2020. It's kind of like this last finale fireworks situation. And it's pretty intense. The whole year is full of really great transformative energy. And again, what I think is important is like, whatever is present will grow. I went to yoga this morning. I go to Three Trees Yoga in Fedra Way. Fantastic studio, by the way. I work there a couple hours um, in the mornings on Wednesday, if you want to come see me and then come to yin class. Um, but I, I love what the teacher there said this morning, which is, that um, she was she was teaching us a different kind of breath. And right now I can't remember the kind of breath that it was. Ugh. But it was like, well, we were doing the joy of the she, she taught us like three different breaths this morning, which was really lovely. But one of them, we 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 swept our arms up to the top. We were in warrior um, one. We swept our arms up. Oh, I'm sorry. We were in warrior two. So we swept our arms up, right, which is we had one foot pointed towards the back of the room and then one foot parallel towards the side of the room, right? And we're facing the, the you know, so it's kind of like a triangle. And then let's see if I can, I can't cue, I can't cue yoga, you guys, I'm not a teacher. But um, you, you, the, the, the toe that's pointed to the back of the room is the leg that bends towards the foot, right? And so when we breathe in, when we'd inhale, we'd bring our arms up to, um, up over our head. And then we would breathe down and bring it down. And at one point we did that and then we would make fists and then we would like let it all go. And we'd hold our breath at the top of the inhale. And she said, which is so interesting that this comes up again for me, because clearly the universe is trying to tell me some shit. But it's like, yes, this is exactly right, because the planet's aim will be to bring awareness to whatever needs to be developed. Right. It'll add the fertilizer to whatever's presence. It'll grow it. Whatever's there, it'll grow bigger so you can see it really clear. Right. This is like you don't have to squint anymore. Or wonder what the fuck is going on. It's going to show you. And she mentioned the teacher uh, mentioned in class, she's like, um, you know, if, if right now you're not okay with what's there, don't hold your breath at the top of the inhale, because whatever's there will increase, whatever's there will grow. So if it's already, if it's already discomfort, if it's already, you know, um, some kind of irritation or grumpiness or whatever it is, and you're not okay with it, get growing. Like, don't hold your breath at the top of the inhale. 
And this is exactly, you know, like we're not going to absolutely have a choice. I think, you know, Jupiter will make abundantly clear what is what is growing already and make it bigger. It will amplify whatever is happening. And that's what Jupiter does. It will amplify it. So Jupiter ingressing into Capricorn happened on the 2nd of December, which was um, Monday. Okay, Monday the the 2nd. And um, it moves out of Capricorn on December 19th of 2020. So there's definitely some time to see and for it to fully develop there's a retrograde in there um, for a couple of months, you know, just like this year, we had all the, we had the whole Jupiter situation. Um, I just read for a person actually, and she's having her Jupiter return this year. So, and there was actually a couple of Jupiter returns in the Jupiter readings that I did, which means that your Jupiter is in Capricorn. Now, Jupiter was in Capricorn around 1996. Okay. That was 12 or 24 years ago, right? So when you and and Jupiter has about a 12 year cycle that it's returning. So 12 years ago in 1996, what were you or 24 years ago? What were you doing? What were you doing 12 years ago? That was also a Capricorn. So, you know, if you're 24 or 36, you might be having your Jupiter return and Jupiter. Like I said, it grows everything. So it's a growth cycle. Okay, and Saturn's kind of falling behind a little bit. It takes a little longer, right? takes almost three years to get through a sign for Saturn. So it's it's going slower and it's cleaning up the messes. Jupiter and Saturn aren't always in the same sign together, right? They have a transit dance that they do. So them being in Capricorn together, especially alongside Pluto, does not happen very often, <laughs> right? So, you know, the other thing that happens is that... Um, you know, a lot of things move in and out of Capricorn. We've got the the North Node or the the South Node in Capricorn um, this this couple of years as well as you know the, the the lunar nodes shift, and that's where all the eclipses happen is on those nodes. So Cancer Capricorn lunar nodes, it's just all the things. And so, anyways, I'm excited. <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting next year, and um, I'm really really proud of everyone that I've um, met over this last year and done work with and for, you know, we're showing up for ourselves. We're giving ourselves permission to be the people we want to be. And that's like step number one is sovereignty. And that's what I'm here to talk about today and why I celebrate it as a witch. But first, I got to do the thing and uh, take a little bio break, let you uh, listen to my lovely Spotify ad. And I hope that uh, you'll stick around and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, welcome back. <laughs> I am so excited to talk about this today. As soon as I started upon this idea of six podcasts to end season one, and that they would each cover something that I celebrate as a witch, just to kind of really deepen redefinition, right? I, I did a podcast on redefining witchcraft. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, please go back. I can't remember what number it is, something like 27, I think. Anyways, I really, really loved the idea of redefining rich, witchcraft, really reclaiming it as, um, as it is today, as everyone is practicing it. I see so many uh, lit up, positive, focused, shadow diving witches, right? It's like 
we know what we're made of fully because we've been pushed into the shadows for so long and been asked to hide for so long. And even even the ones um, who are new to witchcraft, who um, have been able to really step into um, practicing witchcraft and being unafraid to call yourself a witch right out the gate, right? I think, um, you know, there's some younger witches that that definitely you know, I think within their own families, they're still probably facing a lot of um, uh, misinformation and uncomfortable situations where, you know, there's assumptions being made and all this stuff. The reason why we have to re-educate and redefine witchcraft um, is because it's never been self-defined, right? It hadn't ever been um, self-defined without this kind of... Um, boogeyman situation going on from the Christian canon um, and uh, it's time for that to end because of the need for this work this healing work that witches do in the world and the witches that I know that are doing this healing work have powerfully changed their own lives powerfully changed the lives of those around them and are continuing to create healing spaces and it's inspired what I do with my work as as a um as a circle leader, as a space holder, as um, an astrological and tarot coach, as a teacher, I have been completely inspired by the witchcraft community um, as we stand in our power and as we redefine and re-educate ourselves to be in that place, right? And it has to do with this concept that I want to talk about today, sovereignty. Now, I looked up sovereignty... <laughs> Because this is a very new term to me within the last, you know, couple of years, I would say, of my life. I really didn't use the word sovereign, um, except when thinking about um, land that was sovereign, right? When you think of sovereign land or, you know, when you see a uh, movie that's talking about um, <laughs> the queen as a sovereign, right? Which means that they stand outside in their own power, Um Incidentally, um, you know, goddess mythology in the Celtic tradition is wrapped up in this idea that the goddesses could give men sovereign land by having sex with them. There's like this, you know, kind of weird um, misogynistic thing, just like anything. Um, this feminine sovereignty um, that came through in the mythology. But really, so here's here's the thing. I went and looked at a few different sources so that I could really um, make sure that I'm defining this correctly and then I'll give my thoughts on on parts of it. And where I went first was the Goddess Oracle. And I found um, Artemis, the Goddess of Artemis. Now she has a couple other um, uh, like AKAs. <laughs> She has some other AKAs. Artemis is also, um, I'm sorry, let's see. I did not come prepared with this. I'm like, who else is Artemis? And um, the word that came up is Demeter. But so Artemis is the daughter of Zeus, and she was worshipped as one of the primary goddesses of childbirth and midwifery. Um, but I feel like she was also... So she's Wonder Woman because she's the goddess of the forest and the hunt, right? She's often shown with um, 
her bow and arrow and amongst the deer. Um, yeah. Ba, ba, ba. Oh, yeah. So she was supposed to remain a virgin and have, um, you know, herself intact, which virginity as a whole situation. Um, yeah, it's a whole situation. It's an idea made up by men, right? That, that somehow once, once women have sex, they're changed people, right? Um, even though it's a biological imperative, um, anyway, I'm getting away from myself because I wanted to see because there you know, most goddesses have within other traditions, you know, Artemis is the um, is the Greek um, is like classical Greek uh, mythology, right? She's um, Apollo's sister and um, Apollo ends up killing her um, her lover. But um, I thought that she was also another goddess but now I can't find that and I you know I think she might be associated to Demeter Demeter um in an in a crone sense so her in in the goddess oracle I use Amy Sophia Marashinsky's goddess oracle in circle very often I love this deck. It's a fantastic oracle deck. I use it in my readings and each one of the goddesses comes with a ritual suggestion, which is often a guided meditation. And it's a beautiful, beautiful um, expression of the goddesses. Um, there's goddesses from all different cultures. And um, Artemis is, um, her association is um, selfhood. And it each goddess starts with a poem, which I will read now for Artemis. Selfhood. I am who I am, and I know who I am. I can take care of myself under all circumstances, and I can let others care for me. I can choose. There is no authority higher than my own. My, my powers of discernment are finely honed. I am autonomous. I am free from the influence of others' opinions. I am able to separate that which needs separation so a clear decision can be reached. I think for myself. I set my sights and aim my bow. My arrows always find their mark. I love, I love this. You know, <clears throat> her message of selfhood, it's like, it's I'm free. It's freedom. There is no authority higher than my own. And that is what sovereignty to me is, belonging to myself, which um, I pulled up a few really beautiful passages from Brené Brown's work. Now, Brené Brown, um, she's written a few books, all of which I suggest you read. Um, True Belonging is a um, part of Braving the Wild, I believe, um, in her book, Braving the Wild, which is one of her more recent books. And you can get them usually. Um, she reads them herself in her audiobooks. Very powerful. If you're not a reader, um, I highly recommend getting the audiobook version. 
Uh, this is how I listened to it anyways. You know, if you're just a busy person, I love podcasts. I love listening. And um, I've decided in my older age, I used to be a total book hound. And I still love books. And I love bookstores. And I love to bring books home. But I often do not finish them. And then I'll download the audiobook and listen to them. And I am a happier and smarter being for it. So um, that's one of the things that I give my permission to do, myself permission to do. Okay, so she talks about belonging, true belonging, belonging to ourselves, right? Belonging so fully, this is a quote, belonging so fully to yourself that you're willing to stand alone is a wilderness, an untamed, unpredictable place of solitude and searching. It is a place as dangerous as it is breathtaking, a place as sought after as it is feared. The wilderness can often feel unholy because we can't control it or what people think about our choice of whether to venture into that vastness or not. But it turns out to be the place of true belonging and it's the bravest and most sacred place you will ever stand. So it's it's really about being, um, you know, who you are, being in, um, you know, <laughs> they say in here, um, you know, Life can feel like a wild jungle of emotions, people, challenges, and intense craziness, right? But it's like when we connect ourselves deeply um, to ourselves, you know, and this is another quote from Brené Brown, true belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness, True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. And she goes on to talk about the four keys to real connection, right? And and in this, this is like these are like tools for true belonging, true tools for sovereignty. Okay. And by the way, just like anything else, when we give ourselves permission and don't apologize. To, to do something, to be something, to be our full selves. It is influential to the others around us. So when we give ourselves permission to stand in our own power and belong to ourselves, right? Take all of our power and seed it within us. Then we are giving others permission to do the same. And of course, it's their choice to do with that power that they wish, right? They may still try to give you... By the way, if you are somebody who has liberated yourself and our true belonging to yourself, it's going to become really uncomfortable for you to be around people who try and give their power to you, who are always trying to give you um, the, the responsibility of their decisions, their emotions, the power of their, you know, um, choice. If they're de de like delegating all of their power to you, and you are only trying to stand and stay in your own lane and stand in your power and truly belong to yourself, that is going to be one of the most painful places to stand. So look at the way that you are standing in your relationships. Do you have a lot of people where, and by the way, codependency around power dynamics are rampant. It's how we are taught to be in relationship with others. Oh, he made me feel this way. He hurt my feelings. All that stuff. If you're truly belonging to yourself, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Right? There is no authority higher than my own. So 
Here are the four keys to true connection in this true belonging area of, you know, relationship. Number one, people are hard to hate close up. So move in, right? (laughs) So if we're hating on somebody and we've given them the power of us, you know, like spending a lot of time in anger or irritation or hating somebody uh, takes up a lot of energy, right? And it pulls you away from your power, pulls you away from your sovereignty, pulls you away from being able to make decisions based on who you are, right? Instead, it delegates, oh, well, you know, I was so irritated and so distracted. I made this decision and it wasn't actually aligned with what I fucking wanted to do, right? It happens all the time. And we get to blame it on others. It delegates our, you know, our choice to others. Feels great, right? It feels very indulgent. <laughs> because then we don't have to blame ourselves for the shit that we do. It's fantastic. It's a total backwards ego situation. And we don't even know we're doing it half the time. So when we're hating on somebody, move in. People are hard to hate close up. So move in. Question your assumptions, right? That's another Brené Brown situation. Number two, speak truth to bullshit. (laughs) Be civil. So this brings up, you know, I mean, oh, my God. If I had a penny for every time somebody told me, like, I am a truth teller, I'm a truth seeker, and then proceeded to bash other people for the choices they were making, it's like, I don't even know. My I, my intention is to be pretty agnostic about other people's decisions. I have no idea what they're going through. I have no idea why they're making decisions. I might have a judgment and judgments come up. My brain is still working, by the way. I'm not a fucking saint. My brain is still providing me with lots of judgments. You know, there are thoughts that come in and they say, oh, that was a bad, look at that. Look at that person doing that shit. That was terrible. And I'll start to spin. But then the truth is, is that I have nothing to do with any of that. Even if it quote unquote affects me, if I'm taking anybody else's decisions personally, then I've lost my power. I've lost my sovereignty. I've lost my anchor of selfhood. I've given someone the authority that is higher than my own. So when I speak my truth, even if it's like, you know, this is my experience. I'm, I'm actually just talking, you know, I, I, I had a conversation with uh, my father actually once. Um, I have a lot of conversations with my father. We're quite conversational. And many of them elevate into this high level of, you know, and over the years, we've cleared rooms. You know, it's pretty, pretty um, classic. It's classic classic Jenny and Phil, right? That's it's classic that we would clear a room based on us having this heightened, heightened, heightened discussion and gets very passionate. But I was able to this year have a conversation with my dad that I think took my power back from me getting all but hurt and kind of really, uh, you know, taking offense and getting upset and, and everything. And And it kind of stopped him in his tracks, too, because it was speaking truth, right? Because we were having this bullshit conversation about which is right and which is wrong or whatever. What's the truth, right? But the truth of the matter is, is I was only speaking from my experience 
and I wasn't trying to devalue his experience or change what he believed. Right? My, my intention, and this is what I shared that kind of stopped our conversation from going down this crazy downward spiral. I was like, I'm just sharing my experience. So you don't have to say after I share my experience that I'm wrong. Like that's literally just what I've experienced. And I hear you in saying that that's what you've experienced. Let's talk about why that why that's interesting, why maybe we've experienced different things. We can have a much deeper, juicier conversation about why our experiences have been different than, you know, kind of going about trying to disprove that our experiences actually are truth, right? Let's just be aware that the only things that I know are from me experiencing something, learning something, or knowing something, right? I've gotten to a place at least in my life where if I've heard it through the grapevine or I'm, I'm basing it off of some kind of projection that I'm pretty aware of it. I definitely don't catch it all, right? My assumptions, I'm checking them all of the time. So when something comes out, it's like when I'm, when I speak a lie or some kind of, you know, other, uh, you know, this, this hearsay that I don't actually have not direct experience about. And I speak something, it's all of a sudden, it's very loud to me. It's like, oh, that's kind of, it's kind of not necessarily true. And because I've, you know, decided that my inner authority is really about the experiences that I've had. It's not about um, the, the like universal truth. Like, I'm not necessarily capable of seeing that whole truth, especially not when I'm arguing with my father, right? There may be moments where I can see a universal truth, but for the most part, I have to admit, I'm only speaking from my truth. That's it. That's all I'm really capable of doing. And um, it might be another person's truth. You might resonate with my truth, right? It might, you know, through confirmation bias, right? You might be like, yes, totally get her. And then some people are like, what the fuck is she talking about? Because it doesn't resonate with your truth. That's fine, right? But just recognize that it's about resonance. And um, that to me is the speaking the truth into the bullshit, right? Because I can say like, I know the truth and I know all these things. And I've experienced all this shit and that's definitely the truth. But that's just not, I mean, that it's not true. And then she, so she says, speak truth to bullshit and be civil, right? So that civility, it's like honoring other people's experiences as their truth. Like, how can you possibly believe something different if that's all you've experienced? Right? It's the same as in circle when we, um, when somebody is really challenged with really hard feelings and is really fucking grieving and feeling terrible and has shown up to circle in a way that, you know, the light, <laughs> the love and light crew would probably be like, oh, come on. You know, it's like, listen, in circle, we show up as we are. And part of circle practice, part of the circle work is not apologizing for how you are showing up. And part of the, the other part of that practice and that circle work is accepting others as they are and not trying to fix them, right? Not trying to fix their feelings so that you feel more comfortable about them feeling shitty, right? 
We don't hand over tissue and say, oh, it's okay. It's going to be okay. What if it's not? It might not be okay for them. Shit might really be going down. They might not recover from this, right? And you just get to be awkward and be in that moment with them. That's like what holding space is, right? And sometimes that feels like for me as a leader, I'm like, please don't apologize. I don't want your apologies for having your feelings, for having your truth. I may not be able to really hold space for you in the exact way that you want me to hold space for you, but I'm trying, right? My intention is to, is to, is to be civil, be in that relationship as best I can. And I'm not always um, up for it either, by the way, right? That's humanity. Okay, I don't know if I went off the, went off the way for that. Number three is hold hands with strangers. And I don't know. So keys to real connection. She's talking about real connection. And it's in the midst of this true belonging to yourself, to being sovereign, having power from within, right? It's this, you know, for me, it's, you know, sovereignty is a mental and emotional, a physical and spiritual union that I can stand in. It's my own wilderness. It's my own you know, um, providence. It's my own um, empire of truth. It's what I believe. And it doesn't mean that I stand so strongly in it that it, that it, uh, that it devalues others' um, truths, right? And that's why it's like, yeah, reach out and hold hands with people that you don't know. And that's metaphorically as well as maybe physically, Right? And then the last one is for strong back, soft front, wild heart. And I love this, that Brene Brown wrote this because it's very aligned with the Wild Woman Project where we talk a lot about having really firm boundaries. It's like that strong back. You must have boundaries, right? Being sovereign means that you know where your empire ends and somebody else's begins, you know what you're in control of, what you're responsible for, what you own, what you belong to, right? And when you anchor that in your own self, there's a confidence and an ability to show up in your power that is inspiring to others. And it takes practice. And it also takes practice to hold your boundaries so well that others feel inspired to hold theirs for you. And there's been a few women in my life who have shown me what this looks like. And I won't name them because I want to keep them, you know, sacred to me. But where they have, you know, they've truly shown me what a divine no is like. And it doesn't hurt anyone. Right? Their no is about their, about their protection. Their no is protection of their time and their energy. And their yeses can be trusted. Their yeses are emphatic and freely given. But when it's a no, it's a fucking no. And it has nothing to do with me or whatever. And so I tend to ask those people for things in my life, for help, whatever. 
because I know I can trust their no and I can trust their yes. Their no's and their yeses aren't coming with a bunch of fucking baggage. Right? And we all know what that feels like, I think. And if you're not sure, I encourage you to examine what it means to say yes to something and resent someone for asking to do something, be somewhere, take on some kind of project. And yeah, there's, there's limitations that we all have. And there's places where we've signed up for, you know, say a job where we just have to say yes, because they're paying our bills. And there's, you know, we're not completely sovereign in all of our areas of life, right? Because of the system, because of certain things. But don't forget that when you regard yourself in that way, you become victimized by your choices. You made the choice to be in that job. You made the choice. And you may think that no other choices are available to you, but that is not truth. That is actual bullshit. 100%. Now, it's not to say that it would not cause crazy havoc and uproot everything. You might have to reconstruct your entire existence. But don't make that mean that it's not available to you. Don't give it that kind of power. That's giving your power away. And it may seem like, well, those are those necessary ways that I give away my power. It's like, no, 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 no. No. That is a necessary place where you have to take the power back. Because it's those small places where it adds up. It adds up. And how we do one thing is how we do everything. So make your choices count. Change your language around so that you're owning, responsible for, and giving yourself sovereignty in every situation. And when there's truly no choice and you're trapped, fight. Fight for your sovereignty. And reach out, reach out to people who have their sovereignty, who are free, and ask for help. Because there are a lot of people in this world who do not have their sovereignty, who do not have choice. That is for sure. I'm a white lady. I have a lot of choice. I have a lot of privilege. And I recognize that that's where this all comes from. This is from my experience, right? So I celebrate the power from within, the sovereignty as a witch. It's something that I think witchcraft is made of. Where there is no higher authority than my own. And that is true for you as well. Thank you so much. That's all I got for you today. I love you. Blessed be. Hey, thank you for listening. It's such an honor to be in your ear every week as I contemplate the cosmos and talk about all this witch business. If you've benefited from this podcast or any of my work, please do me the honor of sharing it. 
you can go to the Apple Podcasts app and rate, review, and subscribe, which really helps the algorithm gods show others, just like you who are looking for this work, what it is that's going on over here at the Painted Goddess Podcast. Thank you so much again. And if you're interested in booking with me, go to paintedgoddess.com slash readings where you'll find all my latest offers. And I'm opening my books for January 2020 as well. Thank you. Take care.